Everything is about to change. If you've been watching the news, you know that interest rates are likely to rise several times in 2022. That means the time to sell your home is now. Buyers want to buy before rates go up, so they're highly, highly motivated. And if you're holding out because you can't find a place to move to next, well, Christendal Real Estate has the perfect solution to help you. It's their guaranteed offer program. Guaranteed offer means you can sell now while your equity is high, then pick your closing dates so you have more time to buy while interest rates are at historic lows. Bottom line, when interest rates rise, selling opportunities fade. Now is the perfect time to sell your current home and find your next one, but the window is closed closing fast. By this time next year, don't regret sitting on the sidelines while others perfectly time the real estate market. Act now and take advantage of this unique and once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. Join thousands of other homeowners who have already received a guaranteed offer by christendahl.com today. That's christendahl.com. That's Chris with a K. Some terms and conditions apply. Welcome back to Worst Seats in the House. Michael Russo, Anthony LaPanta coming to you from a rainy day outside the Country Music Hall of Fame overlooking downtown Nashville, the Renaissance Hotel in the background, the new awesome like food hall that they got with a bunch of incredible restaurants, which I've always felt Nashville was a little short on, and uh, Bridgestone a Arena. A little short on? Yeah. Uh, but we ate a nice one yesterday, and it looks like there's a bunch there. And uh, this town, Anthony, they've got to lead the like world in uh, bartenders, musicians and construction workers because yeah, every time we are here it's crazy how it's expanded and built here and it really is it's really well done i wasn't a big fan of where we ate last night but the structure <laughs> is cool the building is cool the, the it's they've really just done a great job it's amazing how much this has grown maybe more than any yeah. city in the league over the last 10 years or no so no doubt about it i mean every time we come here they're we're, look right across the street right here they're building a giant embassy suites uh Every time we come, there's new hotels. I'm staying in an incredible Marriott property right now. Uh, just a really, really fun uh, place to be. Um, the Wild right now, Anthony, uh, another 10-game point streak. They're second of the season. They also had a nine-game point streak. Um, it, you know, it's really amazing. During that, eight, that, that stretch of eight losses in 10 games, and you see it every year where a team just loses its game. And they lost their game to such a degree that you really wondered how simple would it be for them to get it back. And it really feels like almost overnight they did that. You know, they, they were bleeding goals. They were giving up two, three empty net goals a game. Um, now they have given up 16 goals in their last 10 games. And to me, that is where it starts. We know this team can score. They've proved it on a consistent basis all season long. 68 games now. They're third in the league in goals four. And they've been right there from really the start of the year. But defensively is where this team really was lacking for a lot of the year, not even just lately. And here they are right now um, just playing tremendous defensively, getting great goaltending from both Cam Talbot and Marc-Andre Fleury. Yeah, and I, I agree with you that it's when they hit the little rut, it was it felt like a freaking canyon. Yeah. And it was four, five, six goals against almost every night. And even though one or two of them were empty netters. There were four or five that were beating the goaltenders. Yeah. 
and it's never easy to find your game again. It it just isn't. And Especially there when were, you don't practice a lot because of the way the schedule is. Yeah, that, and I just think that there were a couple points where I thought, okay, this will be the night they get the game back. One of them was in Buffalo, where they hadn't been great, but they came back, scored a couple goals, took the lead early in the third period, and I thought, all right, now they'll just put the hammer down, they'll play a tight final 18 minutes of this game, win it in business-like fashion, and move on. And instead, they blew the lead, lost the game, and walked away thinking, I don't, it, I don't know what it's going to take yeah. to rediscover the game. But Nine-game homestand probably helped. The nine-game <laughs> homestand, except that, number one, remember, the nine-game homestand started with, with a, a beatdown against Nashville. And number two, that nine-game homestands are not easy. I mean, it, it isn't... It isn't like baseball where you come home and you're home for nine games and everything feels great. You're home for three weeks, two and a half weeks. I think it was 20 days they were at home, so almost three full weeks. And number one, that's difficult for a fan base to maintain energy because when people buy season tickets, they're planning to go to 41 games. Well, they're not necessarily planning to go every other night for three weeks. But that wasn't a factor. I felt like the energy in the building just kept getting bigger and higher and more intense and yeah. and it so that grew over the course of it and then for a team at home you can get stale i mean even how many times have we seen it fourth fifth game of a homestand you feel like oh, boy the team just feels like they need to get on the road yeah. get out away from distractions get together have meals together all and it it just kept growing and growing and growing and even the pittsburgh game that was a loss to end it kind of felt like a win because i they played so well in the game and so the, the homestand certainly helped. I really felt like it was those games right before the trade deadline. Cam Talbot played really well in a game against Boston. Uh, I think it was Chicago was maybe the next game. And I just thought those games were the ones that yeah. now the game felt like it was back. Yeah. And that was before the homestand, before the trade deadline. And it's uh, it's it's been well, impressive the, the yeah. way that they have rediscovered well, it. I remember though. the home game against Columbus. Cam was so good. I actually... In my story, that was basically scooping that the Wild were going to try to trade for Marc Andre Fleury. I basically changed the headline to to question whether Mark on whether Cam Talbot's little stretch of five game five wins in a row at that point and a great game against Columbus would actually change their minds. Um, and obviously it didn't. But let's be honest. I mean, the Wild traded for Mark Andre Fleury because they were not comfortable with their goaltending, not just from Capo Kakinen. But Cam Talbot as well. But I think they really were worried that, all right, what if something happened to Cam Talbot? They'd be screwed if they just right. had Kakinen in tow. And what has happened now? Cam has just continued to play great, great hockey. And Marc-Andre Fleury's come in and played 3-0. and And really, the other night against Carolina, you know, I, w I wouldn't say stole them the game, but if he gives up a couple of those chances yeah, in the second period where they were great. loose. Well, and you know what's interesting? And we, I don't. There's not a way to quantify this, but early in the season – I remember having a conversation right around Christmas time, and I was talking with Wes Walls and Ryan Carter, and the three of us were just chatting, and it, I said, you know, we've played at that point 30 games or 35 games, and I said, how many nights have we walked away saying the Wild had the better goaltender on the ice that night? Almost every night. There were only a couple nights where you felt like the other team's guy played better. And then from shortly thereafter, it felt like every night 
the Wild had the second best goalie in the game. And not that the goalie was solely responsible or costing them the game and the defensive breakdowns were certainly there, but it just felt like every night the other team's guy was better. And now it's the reverse again. It's been 15 games in a row where we've walked out of a building and without a doubt, the Wild have had the better of the two goalies. Mm -hmm. Talbot's been great. I think providing Fleury, you're exactly right. This, I think it had, they weren't necessarily worried about Cam Talbot. They were for sure convinced they couldn't win in the playoffs with Kakinen. Yeah. And that meant that Talbot better be on his game. Yeah. And if not, we better have a veteran that's yeah. there to, to be the, the second option. Yeah. And I think it's been great for both of them because Cam, I thought, has, has looked razor sharp. Yeah. And he's looked fresh. He's looked rested. And I don't think it's a small thing to look at it from here to the finish and say, if these guys are playing every other night, every other game, basically, so now you're playing every third or fourth night, never playing back-to-backs, yeah. I think you're going to go into the playoffs with two rested goaltenders that are also sharp, and yeah. I think that's a tremendous that's a great, weapon. Great point, and you know, I always look at Cam like he's 34 years old, but he's the most physically fit goalie I think I've ever covered, probably since Except Kevin. maybe Mark Andre Fleury. Yeah. He's well, in exactly. tremendous shape. I know. I was. I, I have these pictures of Mark Andre on my phone from um, press availabilities at the 09 and then the 16 and 17 Stanley Cup Finals that I were covering, and he is. I mean, he doesn't look like he's aged a minute. Um, Kevin Weeks was probably up there, too, in terms of when I covered him in Florida and how physically fit he was. But Cam is just rock solid. And But yet, I mean, you know, especially if you don't have a goaltender behind you that um, that you, you, you that the team can uh, believe in, and you now putting that 34-year-old in net every single night, you had the real big risk of wearing him down going in the playoffs, and now there's really not that risk anymore. And... You know, I remember, I love Kako, Capo Kakinen. I think he's oh, yeah. a great guy. Um, but I remember about a month, month and a half ago, Dominic Moore said on ESPN that the Wild are not, are, you know, are worried about this guy, Camp Capo Kakinen. And Wild fans went after him hard. And I remember I stayed out of the fray because I absolutely was convinced that he was right. You know, as well as Capo's numbers were at that point, I just knew what the organization had thought of. I mean, they left him exposed in the expansion draft. They obviously didn't We've have been a lot having of this conversation for two years. I know and, that. and you and all the other guys in the in our circle kept calling me a Cam apologist and a Talbot apologist because I kept saying, "I'm telling you guys, I like Talbot a lot better than Capo Kakinen." Yeah. And the numbers for Kakinen, the nine game win streak last year, the big win streak that mm -hmm. I kept I kept watching it, saying, "The numbers just don't." match the eye test when right. watching him play. You know that, um, remember the stat earlier this year where the Wild had given up the, le the least rebound shots in the league, and then they started giving up not only rebound shots every night, but rebound goals every night once that, that stat sort of unveiled itself. That's where I think Cam Talbot right now is showing how good he is. We never, when there is a rebound, he is intentionally putting it where he wants to put that right. rebound now. Yeah. And, and that is Which is one of his sign, strengths, yeah, and it always and that has is been. the sign that he's back, in my opinion. You know, that, that you said he looks fresh, and he's... Yeah. And then, obviously, this team is just playing so much better defensively. Like, that game against Washington was a clinic the other night. Surgically good defensively in that game throughout. Um, you know, they, they obviously got way too loose in the second period in Raleigh. But Marc-Andre Fleury saved the day. But I think that that's where, to me, it's been most impressive. You know, you talked about how it's not always easy to play well on a nine-game homestand. If at all you leave that homestand thinking, all right, you know, maybe the record is a mirage. They just played all these home games. Then for them to go and play two heavyweights in the Eastern Conference that can score goals and limit them to one goal each in those two games, I think is a really good sign for the future here.
Well, without a doubt, Carolina is a legit cup contender out of the East. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a deep club. Actually built a lot like the Wild. Yeah, I not very the, big, though, and I well, think that's going to catch up to I them. don't know. The I, the stall niederreiter Foss line was about as good a matchup for the Grief line as we've seen all year. And, boy, was that fun to watch those two lines go head-to-head that night. And they were one of the few lines that's been able to force the Erickson at Greenway Felino line to play in their own zone. Yeah. And they did it throughout the night that night. I, I thought that was a great matchup. I think they're built a lot like the Wild in that way. They've got a great goaltender in Freddie Anderson who's been outstanding this year. I love their defensive core. Brett Pesci is mm-hmm. I I think there are a lot of similarities between he and Jonas Brodeen. Underrated, so good in his own zone, good skater, strong on pucks, maybe not the the biggest offensive contributor, but I love that club. I, I think they're going to be a handful. And then they just took apart Washington. I mean, yeah. Washington looked like they had played about six games in eight nights. Yeah, and they and had played, played in six, six days. Yeah. And they Minnesota made them look slow and sluggish. And I just thought it was a methodical back end to back to back, thorough ass whooping of a of a yeah, pretty yeah. good hockey team. I mean, scoring, that's a playoff yeah, team. scoring two goals on the first two shots definitely helped. I thought the the controlled breakout goal was his I mean, it was just hilarious. Like, Goligoski, he's behind the net for what seemed like 10 seconds. They're banging on the glass. They're booing him. And what does he do? He makes uh, just a perfect pass to Greenway, who makes a perfect pass to Eric's neck ahead of Dmitry Orlov, who's a good, good defenseman. And then for the breakaway goal, then Tyson Jost goes coast-to-coast, sliding through a defender, uh, checker in the neutral zone right after that. Well, I think it's interesting, as you mentioned, those two names. It was probably the best night of the season for the Greenway, Erickson, Eckfellino line. Mm-hmm. Greenway has just three. been awesome lately yep. and gaining confidence by the night. And it's been, we're still not inside the room, but I've had a chance to spend some time with these guys now over the last few days in and around the hotel, on the buses, on the plane. And his presence right now is so different than it was yeah. a year ago. It is crazy, the confidence that he has right now. And then you mentioned Jost. I thought Jost's last two games have been outstanding, given the opportunity to play a little higher in the lineup with some more skilled guys. We've seen, you know, when we acquired him, when the trade was made, I had made the comment to you, I think maybe on one of our shows, but I've always thought he was a guy that I thought was going to be a better NHL player than he's been. Yeah, they rushed him out of college, which I think was, in hindsight, they would even admit was not the right move. Yeah, probably. And then maybe just wasn't the right fit in Colorado. But I always thought he was going to be a better NHL player. And in these last couple games, maybe we're starting to see a little bit of what that upside might be. He's going to end up on the fourth line when everybody's healthy for Minnesota for this year. But there's nothing that says he... Couldn't be a guy that on a, when somebody goes down, he certainly looks like the guy that could pop up in the lineup and and contribute. I just I think those two guys in the last couple of games have probably shown the most in terms of difference from what we had seen earlier in the year. Yeah, and a great great guy as well. Um, you know, and another I mean it's another culture move by 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 Bill Guerin. I mean you know Bill Guerin and his staff they do their due diligence before these moves to make sure that they're going to be able to fit into this room. And uh, because it is, it's a special room. I mean, even just, you know, ch- I was just down below chatting with Brodeen and Dumba. And I mean, just the, I don't know, the presence of all these guys right now and how tight knit this is. I know that we always, you always talk about these close teams and it always sometimes feels cliche. 
but there's just something about this room right, right now, and and the way that guys like Middleton and Deloria and Joe is to fit in like a glove, and then you add in Mark Andre Fleury. Well, I think number one, Billy has done a great job doing that, and he knew that there had to be some changes when he got here. Mm -hmm. I think that was evident pretty quickly. But I, in fact, I was just chatting with Pete Weber, the longtime broadcaster here in Nashville, who's now their radio guy, used to be their TV guy. And he asked about Dean and said, you know, we loved him when he used to come to camp when he was the Milwaukee coach. And and I had a chance to play golf with Dean Evison yesterday. And, and it's, it's not an accident that this has happened. And I reflected with Pete today on the very first interview I did with Dean the day he was named the interim coach. And he made it. Everything in the interview was about we and us. Mm -hmm. Nothing was I or me. And it isn't just words. It's, it's truly how he acts. And that, I believe, has bled through this club. And it, so it is a tight group. And then you throw in Jared Spurgeon as the leader, as such an inclusive guy. It isn't one voice, whether it's the head coach compared to assistant coaches, the captain compared to alternate captains, or even people who don't have a letter on their sweater. Mm -hmm. Anybody's voice is welcome on this team. And I think that's why the chemistry isn't just a term you use loosely. There's something special with this group. And watching the guys around the hotel, as yesterday on the off day, a couple groups were going to play golf, a couple groups were just going to bum around Nashville. And you watch the way they interact with each other as the this group of three guys gets in an Uber and this group of three guys walks by and gives them a little crap as they wander down the street and Dean gets out of the car, hey, where'd you guys play golf? Well, why wasn't I invited? I mean, you just watch the interactions. It's such a healthy relationship that breeds this kind of tightness and chemistry. And winning certainly helps. There's no question about it. Yeah. That when you win, you don't, sometimes one begets the other, but it's, it's been fun to watch, and it's it's going to be a big part of this team moving forward. It's a no very unselfish group. Um, and Dean shot a 75 yesterday. Uh, he said he only had one rule on the course, and that was uh, that Anthony had to shut the fuck up. And uh, <laughs> I could totally appreciate that. Um, so, uh, you know, I even cleaned his clubs for him at the turn because we had rentals, and I don't think they had ever been washed in the history. We had nice clubs. The course was great. We played a place called Hermitage. And the course was great. Dean had played there quite a bit when he was with the Predator organization. But we had a great day. It was Dean and Freddie Shabbat and I, and first round of the year, had a great set of rental clubs, but I, honest to God, I, they could have put him through a car wash. And they would have, and so at the turn, I even cleaned his clubs for him. And then he was razor sharp on the back. I think he shot, I think he was one over on the back, maybe two over on the front. He His game was in mid-season form. That's amazing. Uh, well, he's still, that's one thing he does do during the winter to just blow off steam. He goes and shoots. Uh, he's a big golfer. If you ever read the feature that I wrote on him right after he was hired by the Wild, um, you can go out, uh, Google that on, uh, you know, on The Athletic. And, um, you know, Daryl Ray was his roommate, I believe in, well, it would have been, I think, Binghamton. And um, Binghamton, some, Binghamton or Hartford, and uh, he said that, that back in the day, if you opened up Dean Evison's closet, it was filled with these old VHS uh, golf tapes, essentially, that he would just go, come back from a practice or a game and just watch these endlessly on VHS. 
So he's a big golfer. Um, Anthony, uh, a couple news and notes. First of all, uh, Matt Boldy, 21st birthday today in Nashville, and the team is spending the day to have a team bonding day tomorrow, so you know that he's going to enjoy his 21st tonight after the game. He will not play tonight. Um, maybe uh, they'll reevaluate a practice Thursday in St. Louis, and maybe he'll play against uh, the Blues. John Merrill has joined the trip for the team bonding, um, which is a good sign. He won't play the next two games, but for a guy that looked like he might be out for a while, maybe this is a good sign. He was on the ice today as well. Um, Anthony Kroll Kaprizov, the new um, uh, single-season points leader in wild history now with 85 with 14 games to go. Um, pretty impressive uh, season for him. Had goals up in six straight games before he was shut out there in uh, Washington. But, man, I mean, what a, um, what a season for him. Uh, considering that he didn't score a goal in his first eight games of the season, and I will say this, you know, it's funny is that so they announced the other day uh, that he ties the team record against the Pittsburgh Penguins with 83. And I was thinking to myself, like, I wonder what Crosby and Malkin thought of that. 83 points. is this, You know, like, right. if you, like if you think about that. And so we looked it up. I looked it up. 70 Pittsburgh Penguins have had have had 82 or better seasons. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. So um, but what a year that this guy it's has had. And uh, his chemistry right now with Matt Zuccarello is second to none in the league. Yeah, I thought Zuccarello's comments he made to the media, and I had a chance to chat with him a little bit about the relationship with Kaprizov, and he just said, I've never played with anybody that brings more happiness for me to play the game, which That's is awesome. significant. He's played with some great players. Yeah. And you think about the line he had in New York when they were really rolling, when he was playing with Zibanejad and Kreider yeah. his last couple seasons there. They, were, Nash a little they bit. were scoring at, at a pace that wasn't matched by any line in the league. And and guys with whom he had played for a long time in New York. And to say that Kirill Kaprizov brings a joy to me playing the game that I've never had before, I think it says a lot. His This season's been incredible, and we're just scratching the surface with this guy. I mean, he's in his first full season in the National Hockey League. Yep, no doubt about it. Um, Ryan Hartman's fit in well there, the grief line there. Um, Jost, as we mentioned, moves up with Boldy out to the Fiala and Goudreau line. And then obviously the fourth line playing well with Nick Bukestead stepping in after not playing in seven games. He's played two games in a row and 11 of 13 draws uh, the other night as well. Um, wh what do you think of these two games now against Nashville? We know the Wild to beat the Eastern Conference, which just proves that they're going to win the Cup when they get there to the Stanley Cup Final. I mean, they're, what, 22-5-4 against the East and 14-0-2 against, against the, the Metro. Metro. Which is crap. amazing because that um, typically – those have not been matchups that have been good for no. Minnesota with those teams in the Metro. But now these, now, now they're in the stretch drive here. They're going to start, I think they play six or seven straight Western Conference playoff teams right now, starting with the two teams that are most likely um, percentage-wise to be their first-round opponent between the Nashville Predators um, and the St. Louis Blues. It, the math really looks almost like guaranteed that they're going to play St. Louis in the first round. But here, I mean, Nashville, two times this year, Wild got whipped by them. And then St. Louis, we know, obviously, the Winter Classic, to me, is you throw it out. First game in 11, it's out. You know, I, to me, I want to see the way they match up now. But last year, the Wild were 2-4-2 and two and outscored 35-19 to 19 last year to the Blues. How big are these two games to just show them that, like, look, if they're going to play the Predators or the Blues in the first round, that they could play with those teams with this new-look Wild team? Yeah, I think they're important. I think they're a little bit important. I, I, they're important in that I think... You do want to see how you match up with these clubs. They're going to see them both again before the end of the season. In fact, they're going to see St. Louis again on the very next right. trip when they go down to St. Louis and Dallas. 
I think those games might matter more than right now. I mean, you're in the back end of a of a heavy travel schedule right here, this trip, back-to-back games already on the trip. If they come out here and lose in Nashville, maybe even lose both games, I don't think it's time to say, oh boy, can't ma- you don't match up well right. with those teams. But I do think that it's, I think in the back of their minds, they have something to prove. Yeah. And I just don't think it's, Blues game might be tough after two off nights in Nashville. <laughs> it could be, although they are going to practice Thursday yeah, I know. in, sweat out, in sweat St. Out Louis. The, right. And stuff. it's an early flight. You get there early. You'll be back to normal, I think, right. by the time Friday Plus rolls these are around. Pros, so. But, you know, I mean, tonight might be the tougher game yeah. because you had yesterday off and nobody skated and mm-hmm. people were out golfing and hanging out on Broadway for a while and everything. I mean, I know they. I know they're in early with yep. their game, pre night before a game curfew, but tonight's game might be a little bit more of a grind. It's I think it'll be interesting to see how they match up with them. The Nashville games have been a little bit have have come at strange times too. The the first one was the first game of that long home stand, and the other one was that started the season was it four and zero or five and zero, and and then we're playing Nashville to wrap up that home stand, and it. And they actually started that game well, if they I did. remember correctly. And, and the game, the recent game on the homestand, they actually, I thought, played pretty well, just didn't get the results, and then it got away from yeah. them late. And then the empty netters. Yeah. I, we'll see. Yep. Nashville's an interesting team to me because I think they built their roster. We talked about Carolina this way. Nashville, I think, tried to put a team together that had lines that had a similar kind of identity to Minnesota's, so it'll be an interesting matchup, and I think there is something there that you want to see how you match up against the team you're likely to play. You certainly don't want to go into a playoff series, even if you have home ice, facing an opponent that you know beat you three out of four or four out of four during the regular season. No doubt about it. When we come back uh, from this break, I want to talk to you about uh, the Keith Yandel getting scratched situation in Philadelphia, um, the whole Jay Beagle and uh, Troy Terry situation in Anaheim, uh, the GM's meetings, and then uh, we'll talk about Goose's contract, Alex Goligoski's contract extension that really, in my mind, came out of the blue, and then we have a ton of Twitter questions. But um, there's only a limited time left to take advantage of the $55 combo tune-up that Aquarius Home Services is offering. The offer ends April 16th. With spring here, Aquarius knows your furnace has been working hard and knows warm weather is just around the corner. That means it's the perfect time to tune up both your furnace and your air conditioner. Again, only 55 bucks for both. They treat your home like it's their own, from wearing shoe covers to cleaning up when they are done. Aquarius provides no surprise upfront pricing and guaranteed work. To schedule your $55 combo tune-up, visit AquariusHomeServices.com today. The, again, the offer ends April 16th. And don't forget to mention, Russo sent you. And tell us about Kowalski's. Well, uh, one nice thing about a nine-game homestand was plenty of meals at home. And we had some really good ones over the stretch. People always ask me, what's your go-to meal, your favorite food? And I always tell them that you can't go wrong at the steak and seafood counter at Kowalski's. They're knowledgeable guys. They'll point you in the right direction. There's no one simple best cut of steak. It's whatever happens to look good that day. They're always different. We had a couple of tremendous dinners with the Akaushi fillets on the recent homestand. And their seafood selection is right up there with the best in the Twin Cities. So check it out. If you're going to have a great meal, you got to start with the great ingredients and do that by going to Kowalski's. And here's a word from Bosch Law Firm. 
Hey, hockey fans, Jerry Bosch here again from Bosch Law Firm and WorkCompExperts.com. If you're injured at work, it's never too soon to contact the lawyers and awesome staff at Bosch Law Firm. We'll answer all your questions, help you set up your work comp claim, and help you select professionals who will be there to help you, not the insurance company. And with almost 30 years of litigation experience, if your benefits are denied, we'll fight to get you paid. Bosch Law Firm. The call's always free and there's never a fee unless we obtain benefits on your behalf. Call or text us at 651-333-8300 or visit us at workcompexperts.com. Back here, we're seats in the house. Michael Russo, Anthony Lapanta, coming to you from Smashville, Nashville, overlooking the Bridgestone Arena from the Country Music Hall of Fame. Um, wanted to talk to you about um, about the Keith Yandel situation, obviously, in Philadelphia. Um, he gets scratched the other night. Um, his, his NHL record uh, consecutive game streak comes to an end. Um, Phil Kessel is now on the path to break that. What, what I didn't like about the whole situation is how uh, Mike Yo got slaughtered. I mean, like, first of all, like Jeremy Roenick, who I, uh, who, you know, back when he was a player, I used to love interviewing him because he was so opinionated. He went on a Twitter tear against Mike Yo, and I thought, you know, a pretty naive Twitter tear going after Mike Yo saying, who, what, what free agent would ever want to play for Mike Yo and Mike Yo this, Mike. How does he think that that would ever happen without it being an organizational sit down and communicated to Keith Yandel? I mean, that is a, that's a Chuck Fletcher, Brent Flair, Mike Yo collaboration, if there ever was one. Mike Yo's not going to just decide arbitrarily as an interim coach to end an NHL record like that. And the reality is, like, everybody's making this big deal. Oh, he's 11 games from 1,000 or whatever it is. Let him get there. The Flyers suck. Right now they are playing to get guys into the lineup to figure out who could play. They're signing all these college free agents. If he is not one of the top six defensemen, you don't need to just, in my opinion just give him sort of charity games. I don't even think Keith Yandel would want that. Well, I think that's the point that's, he doesn't belong in the lineup. Yes. If they've decided he's not one of the top six, they they didn't do this before he broke the record. Right. They waited until he had broken the record, which I think that is all you have to say about the respect they had for him, but it isn't supposed to be a charity case. Yeah. And I remember I remember Cal Ripken late in his consecutive game streak saying, look, if I'm not, if I don't deserve to be in the lineup, don't put me in the lineup. And there were a lot of guys around baseball who thought there are for sure times where he would have benefited from a night off. And, but the, when the Orioles just kept running him out there, I mean, that, I think this is a, I thought it was a no, to me it was a non-story. I was surprised the number of people that lashed out saying, hey, if your team's out of it, then just keep playing the guy. That's well, that not, makes no sense yeah. to me. To me, it should be the absolute opposite. And I thought Kevin Hayes said it really well. Obviously, look, Keith Yandel is one of the great teammates. He's obviously loved in that Flyers locker room. He's one of Kevin Hayes' best buddies. Um, but Ke And Kevin said that he's disappointed, obviously. And, but, look, it's an organizational decision. And he basically said, you know what, if we were better as a team, this wouldn't – you know, so essentially he took, um, took the uh, – the, the onus, the blame on the team and the teammates for putting them in a position to scratch Keith Yandel. So, isn't it me, amazing when you think about that? Phil Kessel's going to he's yeah. going to break and the to, record. To me, by the way, if you think of anything that's such a sham, it's that the fact that he plays one shift and then they charter him home just to keep the, his record streak going. I mean, that 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 to me is where it just gets a little stupid. I don't know. Right. But, uh, Mike Rupp went on a rant against this the other day, and I I totally agree with him that it's just become you know to me this record. Um, uh, I don't know. Uh, for to me, that's more embarrassing. 
Phil Kessel playing one shift just to keep the record going and then leaving the game and chartering home for the birth of his child. Uh, right. That, I, I mean, that uh, thumbs your ridiculous. nose at it. So yeah, I believe that, you know, we talked about the respecting the game. In fact, it was Nashville that started the conversation with how they did not come out for the Jersey retirement ceremony in St. Paul. And I think if you go around the league, most teams, coaches, managers, players have such a respect for the game and for those who came before you, for the great players, and for the sanctity of records. And they matter. They absolutely matter. And I think when you do something like that, now you've made it irrelevant. Yeah. Because now it isn't where you could stand back and say, Think about Phil Kessel, holy cow, playing every game for this many years in a row, and yet he continues to be chided and knocked for his lack of physical fitness, per se. But he can still play, he can still skate, he can still score. But if you just said, look, his consecutive game streak came to an end because he left a team to go be there for the birth of a child. Nobody would think of him as a lesser player. They'd think of him as a great guy. And instead, now I look at it as... I mean, that record to me means nothing because yeah. you did it artificially. It's not what the record was intended to be. He didn't play. Yeah, no doubt. Um, let's talk about the Anaheim situation um, the other day. Um, so Zegras, who's going to win the rookie of the year, um, he goes out and scores the lacrosse goal uh, late in the game. They're up five zip, I believe, and he and they go in and he jabs at the goaltender. JB Beagle cross checks him. Now all help breaks loose. Troy Terry comes to the defense. He, you know, he does what everybody does in those situations. He just grabs Jay Beagle to essentially hug him. And now, next thing you know, um, because he engaged Beagle, Beagle takes his gloves off and just goes to town on Troy Terry's face. And to and there was a scary moment where it looked like Terry was like like Bambi out there, like had, you know, and he just kept on punching and it was very atypical of Jay Beagle. I mean, this is not the type of player that we've seen uh, do this before. He obviously lost his cool. And then Tyson Nash, who's the color analyst for the Arizona Coyotes, who Tyson, when he played, he went, he went overboard a lot um, as a player in terms of uh, his, you know, some of the egregious plays. Um, he basically said, you know what, these guys are out there. I forget the term they used, skilled it up, I think was the term he used. Um, and now you got to expect that, you know, if you're embarrassing the Coyotes, that you're going to have to handle that and that these young kids need to figure that out. What's your whole sense of the, the, the whole situation? Um, and we could break it down into little into Yeah, little I think if you start with the play itself, yeah. skill it up. I don't even know what that means. The guy made a great play. Yeah. And, I mean, this would be like saying don't make a behind-the-back pass because yeah. that shows guys up. I, I couldn't disagree more with that. Make the play you make to make a play and score. Yeah. If you're skilled enough to make that play, make that play. The, I think where you cross a line is with a goal celebration. If after you score that goal, you run and slide across the ice on your belly or something, now somebody's going to come calling and, and you might have to answer the bell for and that. I, just to, but the just play to, itself, yeah. I have zero problem right. with it. Now, I will say this. Um, I, I heard Tyson Nash interviewed with, I think it was Craig Morgan from uh, from Arizona Hockey Now. I believe that's his outlet now. He might have left that and started to a new thing. Um, but either way, Craig Morgan, great reporter. He used to work for us at The Athletic. He interviewed Tyson Nash, and Nash 
basically said that where he made a mistake is that he left everybody with the impression that he was talking about the Michigan play itself, where he was more talking about them hot dogging and laughing at the bench throughout the game, and then with five nothing going in and you know getting in the in the kitchen of, of Arizona's goalie, and that so that's what he meant from that context, which I actually agree with. You know, we're, he's seeing things from ice level that we're not seeing, and what he's seeing is a Arizona team that's getting whooped. And essentially, what happens is, um, in his mind, all game long, taunting the bench, and that's where Beagle lost his cool. Regardless, um, let's talk about the Beagle play itself. Um, you know, like the department player safety is, in, in my eyes, a tough spot there. Because what he did is something that's actually not suspendable. I mean, fighting is allowed in the game. The referees called it a fighting major. They gave Terry a roughing minor. Technically, that is what happened, right? Is it suspendable in a game that allows fighting? I mean, you know, Terry engaged Beagle first. You know, if, if all of a sudden the Department of Player Safety comes down on Beagle, they're essentially inventing a suspendable play there. So now what I think is going to need to happen is, and we see this too often in the league. We saw it with Anders Lee and Matt Dumba in New York. There, you should not be allowed to get away with punching a guy that is not trying to fight you. It's, it's that simple, and that to me is something that general managers, the next time that they meet, need to have on the agenda. And what's funny is if this thing happens a week before, they probably talk about it down in Florida last week. But because, it, you know, like to me, this is something that actually needs to change. That rule needs to change. If you are now fighting a guy that has no interest in fighting, which Terry did not, he, there's, he did not go in there expecting to fight. He went in there to do what guys always do in goldmouth scrubs. Right. Grab Beagle and hug him. Grabbed a guy and hugged him. Yeah. I think, well, I think there's a couple things in play there, and I don't agree at all with what Tyson Nash said. I like Tyson personally, yeah, I and I think, he's, I think he's a good analyst, and I just disagree 100% with what he said. You just, I, I think that's a, a line you have to be really careful not to cross when and, you're a broadcaster. And, and Tyson comes from the school where he was a player that did, you yeah, know, beat he West Walls the line up one time yeah. on the ice. He, cro he crossed the line a lot. He was one of the, he was one of the, you know, the toughest players to play in his. I mean, I mean, every he was one of those guys. You had, you better keep your head up because he's going to come after you playing the game. So that's the perspective that he's coming from. Right. Um. No doubt about it. But I and I think. When I listened to it, I wasn't thinking he was talking about the bench. He yeah. was talking about if you're going to skill it up, you have to answer the bell. Right. And that, I disagree with that completely. I do agree with, the, with what you're saying on the – if a guy starts throwing punches and you don't – you had no intention to punch back. It's not just because you got hit and you can't just be as simple as if the guy doesn't throw a punch because yeah. what if the first punch knocks a guy silly when he's dropped the gloves? Yeah. But it clearly was not what Terry wanted there. It clearly was not what Dumbo wanted against Anders Lee. And I always laugh and when we say it's he got five for fighting and he got five for being punched. I mean, that, that's not a, that shouldn't happen. I think that has to change. And the other rule that I just, I don't think it'll happen, but it drives me crazy, is the Dumbo example the other night where he makes a clean hit McKinnon races across the ice to fight him, and Dumba feels the need to fight. And the fact that Nathan McKinnon doesn't get penalized an extra two minutes for an instigator, I do not. And maybe don't call it instigator so it's not 2, 5, and 10, but there's got to be an extra minor for a guy who skates across the ice to drop the gloves and fight because you hit somebody else. Absolutely. If Miko Rantanen gets up and they fight, 
totally different. Yeah. He gets up, he got hit, yep. he doesn't like it, he gets up, they fight, no penalty. But if a third player skates across the ice to engage you in a fight because you made it, if there had been a penalty on the play, mm -hmm. if Dumba's hit was illegal and a penalty was coming, yeah. and now McKinnon comes across the ice, that's yeah. different. There was no penalty, yeah. it was a clean hit, and I think that's what the league has to, I would love to see that, I shouldn't say they have to, I would love to see that because I'm tired of watching guys make a clean hit, yeah. A legal hit, and then feel the need to have to fight, and all I, of a I sudden don't you wind you. up you know, in the penalty box. The only two things I will say for, to that is it's one is you know, and I said this to somebody on Twitter that these players aren't skating around with a monitor and and analyzing, and he sees Rantanen gets clobbered up high, and he's going to protect his teammate. That happens all the time. You know, he doesn't necessarily know it's a clean hit at the time. But the other thing but I will say to you, he's going to protect a teammate. Yeah. That, but I, if but, a teammate jumps up and wants yeah, to fight fight right but if a third player comes in by definition you have instigated a fight no, I don't you've skated I, I across the ice to instigate it should a have fight. been an instigator it should have been two five and ten and they obviously didn't give it to him because he's a superstar yeah, no right. doubt about it um but the only other thing i will say to you is that you know if it was reversed and Kirill kaprizov got clobbered by uh devon devon taves that that wild players are going to go and absolutely, do the same and then thing. they should get an extra yep. two. Yep. Exactly. If you know, that's Marcus Foligno races yep. across the yep. ice and drops the yep. gloves with Devontae's, yep. he should go to the. It no, should no, be an extra no penalty. Doubt, but I mean, you know, like to me, it's you know Nathan McKinnon's looking at a superstar line mate that gets hit high by a defenseman that he actually likes. I mean, I know that Dumba and McKinnon have a relationship. Um, you know, I, I just think that that's that we see that for the history. To me, where where it got screwy is that the referees didn't didn't apply the rule correctly. Um, so, again, I was down at the GM's meetings in Florida. I uh, didn't do a podcast. And, by the way, I haven't even pointed out April 11th is their next live show at Tuttle's. should probably do that. April 11th, 7 p.m. at Tuttle's. Uh, I missed the last show because I was down at the GM's meetings. Uh, incredible hotel called the O Palm Beach. Um, just awesome hotel. Uh, did a podcast there with Elliot Friedman and Bill Daly, the deputy commissioner of the league. Really not a lot of news down there. They talked about the cap in the playoffs and, and trying to be cap compliant in the playoffs. That got nowhere. Um, they talked about uh, putting in a no trade list to central registry so the Dadanoff situation doesn't happen again. That will happen. Uh, they talked about the standard officiating, Department of Player Safety, uh, World Cup is going to happen in 2024. Russian players can be drafted as of now in the uh, tw in the 2022 draft, uh, but not a ton of other stuff. But that was down there. But I, I really was a little bit surprised that the playoff salary cap didn't have yeah. more traction. I was surprised how many general managers were reluctant to say that it was needed. Yeah, it surprised me. I, I really thought. Producer Brandon chiming in, not because I want to, but because I have to. I'm not sure what happened. I'm not going to put the blame on anyone, but for the rest of the episode, you won't be able to hear Anthony LaPanta. His mic, it's gone. The audio is gone. So I pieced it together best I could. Um, so that's what's happening the rest of the episode. I'm always interested at the double standards that happen in the league where teams that find loopholes in the set collective bargaining agreement get away with it. And then teams that follow the rules with a loophole too, like the Minnesota Wild during that whole cap recapture stuff is then retroactively punished to the point that now years later they have to buy out to their players and now have unbelievable pain coming down the pike where again, technically 
Bill Guerin could have pulled the same stuff. You know what? Hey, Ryan, you got an injury. You know, like, like there were ways out of this if you did it pretty shadily. And, um, and you know, the Wild, it's like they got double whammied, where other teams just find ways to get, always get out of problems by finding loopholes. And, you know, and to me, look, you're right. Tampa Bay did nothing wrong last year. But then when you win a Stanley Cup and you print out T-shirts that say 18 million over the cap and you thumb the nose of the league, this is why this is an issue right now. Um, let's talk about the uh, Alex Goligoski uh, contract extension. And then uh, we have Twitter questions that I want to get to. Um, just real quick, that, that, that did come out of the blue. I got wind of that story very early in the day that it broke. And I, it, uh, Bill Guerin was on a plane. I was trying to second source it. I did second source it, but still... Like, it was one of those things where I didn't want to put it out until I had a conversation with Bill to just say, what? Why? Like, it made no sense to me. They went, like, every indication that I was getting from the organization since January 1 was that they were not going to extend Alex Goligoski, that his play fell off. And then all of a sudden, out of the blue, they did, did it. It coincidentally happens in the middle of them um, scratching him a second time out of three in a row where they basically are saying you're not going to get your thousand game with this organization if they resign him, and I'm, part of me just wonders if 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 Bill Guerin got a call and said, "What are you doing? You you just took away his thousand game. We just had a handshake agreement at the beginning of the year that if we took this, you know, you were going to extend him. Like here, we'll do two times two, and maybe it got done. I th because I hear it did happen super quick. Um, you know, your words your word type thing. Um, and then he scratched again the day after the extension for a third in a row. It's just very bizarre for a team that is counting dollars and cents right now. And we already have talked endlessly on the show how hard it's going to be to resign certain guys in this offseason. Um, you now have six defensemen under, under contract next year with Kalen Anderson not being one of them, and we're not even including Middleton in that. Very weird. Well, I, that's the one thing I will say. What Bill has told me is that now knowing two times two, he's got cost certainty again and things like that. And let's be honest, two times two for Alex Golgoski is a good deal. I mean, this guy is not a bad he, – like, he's bet, he should be in the Wilds' top – and he should be in the top six. I'm just saying the timing after you extend Merrill and you acquire Mid, uh, Middleton to now almost, to me, hamstring yourself more, I think that's where it just, to me, is a little confusing. And I do think, I mean, look, at his age, he just got to monitor his, his ice time. I mean, you know, he has had a good year. He just hit a rut. And so I don't, I'm not, I'm, trust me, I'm not, I, I think two times two for Alex Golgoski is an incredible contract. Um, you know, he's not going to suddenly become old and can't skate to that point. Uh, you know, where, where to me it was just confusing is, is it comes after these other deals and it just puts them in a little tougher situation cap-wise. I just wanted to, again, tell you about my friends over at Profile. Um, they are so, there are just so many choices out there to lose weight. Trust me, I've tried most of them. Uh, but I finally found one that works. And Profile is a full-fledged wellness program. My Profile coach... Um, over a profile, she has designed a plan that it was custom tailored for me. Um, it incorporates my nutrition, my exercise habits, my lifestyle choices, my travel habits, all that stuff. And I've lost weight, I have more energy, and I feel terrific. Profile worked for me, and it could work for you too. Don't delay. Visit profileplan.com slash Twin Cities and launch your transformation today. Tell them that Russo sent you. Again, that's profileplan.com slash Twin Cities. And Anthony, uh, tell us about Tria. That morning that I tore my ACL, MCL, meniscus on the ski slopes, I did not want to go to the doctor because I knew that 
they were Margot was going to snap. So, but I did, and Dr. Boyd did a tremendous job on it, and and I we've got a couple friends who right now are going through ACL surgery and rehab, and I just said, just trust your doctor because that's what I did with Dr. Boyd at Tria. He gave me the exact dates. At this many months, you'll feel this. At this many months, you'll feel this. He turned out that he was almost to the day exactly right with the rehab process. And I came back bigger, faster, stronger than I had ever been before. So if you, if, whether you're an athlete trying to get yourself back on the field or you're just a guy like me that was hoping that his wife would let him go skiing again, <laughs> if you've got an injury, go to tree orthopedics. And here's a word from Minnesota Propane Association. The Sheriff family enjoys spending a lot of time outside. Hence, we care what goes into our environment. That's why we support propane, the energy for everyone. Did you know that propane produces fewer greenhouse gas emissions than electricity generated on the U.S. grid? Propane's emissions are 43% fewer. That's a lot. Propane is clean, dependable, and affordable. Plus, it's produced right here in the USA. Let's all do our part to reduce emissions from our homes, cabins, and businesses by choosing propane, the right energy right now. To learn more about propane, the energy for everyone, go to propane.com. Final segment of Worst Seats in the House, Mike Russo, Anthony Lampanta, sitting in the patio of the Country Music Hall of Fame. Wild Boys, who do you guys want to play more, St. Louis or Nashville as of right now? Uh, obviously Nashville, Anthony. Oh, Wild Boys probably means who do you want, like, like the Wild could beat. Nashville, definitely. <laughs> We're going to go to Paul Mano's, the uh, incredible restaurant up in Chesterfield, Lou Cunnan territory. Uh, Wild Boys, um, is there any player that could be traded uh, that would be a bit surprising. I don't know about a bit surprising, but we just talked about the full blue line. You know, I could kind of see a Dmitry Kulkov trade maybe. Um, saves 2.75 on the cap if you do that. If they re-sign Marc-Andre Fleury, I could see a Talbot trade. Um, Nate asks, what are the chances that Boldy agrees to a bridge deal with his play so far? I would imagine the contract every bridge deal would be potentially quite large. That's why I think uh, that's the only option. I, the, I think what he could command right now on a eight-year deal or a seven-year deal would be way too rich for what the Wild could uh, think. So I think the Wild right now are plugging him in at a two-year or three-year deal in the three range, three and a half, something like that. Um, Stick on Ice Guy has a question for you, uh, Anthony. As a pro sports announcer, you want to have positivity toward the team you cover. But if you become too big of a fan of that team, is there a risk you lose perspective in your commentary? What is your approach to this? I mean, you are, you are calling games for a Minnesota audience. But I will say this, if they win a cup, I guarantee you're getting a ring. Oh, 100%. Craig Leopold, he would get you a ring. I mean, that's, that's what owners do. I mean, you broadcast. I know that you don't, you're not employed by the Minnesota Wild, but, I mean, I, you look at what Jeffrey Vinnick and all the people that got rings down in, in that team those two years that they won, I think you're getting a ring. Yeah. You might not get the A ring. Usually teams have A, B, C class rings type thing. I'll tell you who Tara Vinen is. Tara Vinen's the guy that, uh, after the Wild, rallied from 3 nothing down to make it 3-3, scored from the freaking Chicago bench to make it 4-3 against Dubnik that one day. That, you know, in that playoff series against the Blackhawks. Yeah, turning the series. Remember, that was a play also where the Wild touched a puck to, to end a, uh, what would have been a hand pass and kept the play going, and then they scored from the freaking bench. Um, third period hype man, Paul Anderson, our friend that comes to all the podcasts and really honestly uh, should be paid by the Wild over the T-shirt guy because he pumps them up a lot more. Um, the third Paul is uh, the guy that everybody sees on the Jumbotron at the third period of every, late in third period of every Wild game. Uh, how much more enjoyable 
have road trips been this year versus the last few? Uh, you didn't get to make a lot of road trips the last few, Anthony. Um, and have any of your favorite places, uh, unfortunately, closed since the pandemic started? Can't remember where. I just found a place that I used to love somewhere, and it's gone. Um, I can't remember what that was. Uh, but it's been, I mean, it's been fun being back on the road. There's no doubt about it. I went into that Starbucks like 60 times and saw Parisian there each time. <laughs> like we had the same coffee timing habits. I think that's where I taught Parisi that you can order ahead. <laughs> I think that's where I taught Parisi that you can order ahead. It was either at that one or the LA Live Starbucks. These guys are on like, they were, they were at LA Live once and I, there were like nine, ten people online before a game. And I just walked in, grabbed my coffee and left. And I can't remember who it was. They grabbed me in the hallway at the Staples Center. It was like, how did you do that? I'm like, you don't know how to order ahead on your app? Um... Interesting. I uh, just got a text that I'll answer a question about. Um, this is one city, by the way, that's really low on the Nash on the Starbucks. It's bizarre. Um, JC asks, uh, with the Galagosti Ascension, the team now has 6D under contract next year. And this has to do with the text I just got. Spurgeon, Brodine, Dumba, Galagoski, Kulikov, Merrill. That leaves no room for Addison or Middleton. Um, what do you think Billy Garen's plan is? That's where I kind of mentioned Kulikov, but... Somebody from The Athletic who does these models, Dom, just texted me. I asked him, what do you think Middleton's extension would look like? And he says he has him worth at $4 million bucks a year. And if that is the case, maybe that is why San Jose traded him. And if that is the case, maybe the Wild are not even planning on qualifying him. I mean, you can't pay Jake Middleton $4 million bucks. All right, so let's uh, speculate on game one of the playoffs. Wild boys, Flurry or Talbot, game one? I say Flurry. I just don't think you acquire Marc Andre Fleury to not start him. But yep. eight zero and one. No, eight zero and one. Eight zero and one is last nine starts, I believe. Oh, okay. Yep. And you're right, nine zero and one because he had an eight game. He had won his last eight starts, right? And then uh, the lot. Yep. Yep. I might have to go in the athletic. I think I got that wrong. I might have to change it. Nobody will ever know. Well, you know that's like somebody. Uh, t uh, so in in our. Uh, Press conference with Marc Andre Fleury. He mentioned that he was staying in a hotel in a certain city in Minnesota, and so he volunteered it. So I just said he was staying in a hotel in that uh, city. And somebody from somebody, I won't say somebody from somewhere, texted me. He's like, "Hey, do you just mind taking out the name of that city?" And at the Athletic, you could do that. If that was in the newspaper, I'd be like, "Sorry, you're f out of luck," you know. So anyway. Scott Forrester says Middleton has seemed to settle in nicely. Is he like a good offensive lineman in football? If you don't hear his name on the broadcast, he's having a good game. I'd say that's actually a fair statement. I always say a defensive defenseman, if you don't notice him, he's probably doing his job, and he's played really well next to Jared Spurgeon. Same with Deloria hasn't gone. Um, Rock NHL, um, will we see Joe stay in the top six even when Boldy gets back? So he's basically saying, I think he's assuming, alluding that would, would Freddie Goudreau move to the fourth line? No. Um, Eric Vigo, um, who else is, uh, is at the front of the line to sign Ben Myers? Elliot Freeman's reported, um, besides Minnesota, that Philadelphia and Detroit are right there, but I hear that every team's going after him. I just hope he makes a quick decision. Andrew Nicolin asks, um, what has Jordy Ben been up to? He appears to, he won't pl be playing unless we have major injuries. Does he still skate and travel with the team? Uh, yes, he does. Um, Charlie asks, let me see, I lost Charlie's, I lost Charlie there. Uh, Marco Saucy says, do we expect a Marco Rossi playoff call-up if we are struggling, if we're closer to the Cup? I mean, I assume that he'll be called up at the end of the year, um, and I think he'll be obviously up with the Black Aces. And, yeah, I mean, they got seven games that they could play him. If they need him, he would make the most sense. Um, Minnesota Coyote asks, why is Kevin Fallness the bane of the press corps? 
Why, Anthony? I like Kevin. So he's so uh, he's he's quick witted. He likes going after you about your Akiyushi steaks. <laughs> Tired? I don't dislike. I, lo- I if people actually think that when I go after Kevin that uh, it's it's based on that I don't like him. That's that's not true. Um, hey, this was a good podcast. April eleventh at Tuttle's is our next podcast. Uh, how much are you looking forward to that, Anthony? I love going out there. 7 p.m. April 11th. Uh, thanks to Chris Lindahl Real Estate, Aquarius Home Services, your local authorized dealer for Connecticut Water Treatments, Kowalski's Bosch Law Firm, Profile, Tria, and Minnesota Propane Association. Talk to you next week, everybody. So much coming out, there's nothing going on.